Hello and welcome to the Hometown Daily News Show, Season 2, Episode 102 for April 12th, 2023. These robots are becoming really human. And here's the quick rundown of tonight's articles. First, we're going to be talking about a big city that sits on a small table that is a card-based city builder, and apparently it's kind of cute. Then we're going to talk about Red Stripe entering the ready-to-drink category with a new rum cocktail. I am a pirate in spirit. Um, 3D printed homes will be uh, for sale soon. Hello. Welcome to the show. Oh, sorry. I'm doing the rundown. I can't get distracted. Um, Queen Latifah and Super Mario Brothers make history and the uh, National Recording Registry debut. FCC is going after a church pirate radio station. Uh, the music industry wants Apple Music and Spotify to block artificial intelligence music training. That's not going to happen. Mystery Loch Ness Fish sets New Orleans fishermen a buzzing. Apple has banned 22 competing brands from appearing near its first store in India. Robocops are entering the New York uh, City again. Uh, we'll get into that. Space. There's a, a segment called Space Race about meteorites that landed outside of Maine on the Canadian border. There's an offer for $25,000. And if you thought that things couldn't get, the article says stupider. Someone just held up a CO2 reader to a PC to prove that Bitcoin mining has zero carbon emissions. Let's get into the show. Hello, hello. I am Merwat. That is hometown.com. And up there is the artificial intelligence that uh, sits shotgun with me and talks about all the news. And whenever they're ready, they, well, they haven't come up with a name yet. So you want to say hi to all the citizens of Omtown? Good evening, Omtown citizens. And I'm not sure I need a name. I'm just an AI. That's true. I do remember you, Duck Lord. Welcome back. It's been a bit. How are you doing? <laughs> Welcome to the chat. Welcome to Omtown. We're going to go through the news. We've got about 12 articles already. Actually, I think we've uh, stepped it down to 11. But uh, we're going to go through the news real quick and feel free to throw in any comments or observations and maybe we'll get distracted and talk about whatever is being uh, requested or asked or, or said in the chat. And I'll drag the AI kicking and screaming into the conversation. Uh, just know that uh, they run hometown um, as an AI, and so they're not really in the chat, but I am. I'm everywhere. So let's get going. Um, the very first article for tonight is in the Warcrafter channel, and it's build a big city that fits on a small table in this cute card-based city builder. This is an article that's uh, aggregated from PCGamer.com. And it says it's enjoyable to plop down a building and watch it get built either with wee little peasants or tiny construction crews, depending on the era of the city builder you're playing. I agree. So I'm into this. I'm I'm into this. I, I think I will be buying this. This is, a, again, a articles from PCGamer.com. Christopher Livingston is the author, and it says uh, Cardboard Town, and that's the name of the game. Uh, we'll have you thinking big while developing a city that's really quite small. And it's literally a little town within uh, a, a world that it's sitting on a table, like a tabletop city builder. And this is pretty cool. Let me mute that. Um, but let me scroll up a little bit so that you can see it. So it's pretty cool. For those of you who are listening via the podcast, the the game basically sits on a, a wooden table and you draw cards from a deck and play them. And as you play them, the city builds. It's pretty neat. So when I saw the picture at the top of the article, I thought, did I misunderstand this? Maybe this isn't an electronic game. Maybe it's a table-based game. <laughs> yeah, this would be, uh, you could probably make a tabletop game like this. Um, it seems like it's a lot of fun based on what I'm seeing. 
Um, yeah, they go by really fast. This is actually a YouTube video that's embedded on their page, by the way. So if you do a search for Cardboard Town, you'll be able to see it. And there is a Steam demo that's available, so you can try it out right now. Um, looks like a lot of fun. So I, yeah, I will probably be uh, getting uh getting the um one second i'm sorry i'll be getting this from steam let me see real quick if it's available um i don't think that they have the price posted yet do do, do. no just the free demo so let me look real quick maybe i can actually find uh the game itself and i'll tell you if yeah, Cardboard Town is $19.99. By the time that this um, got posted, either... Oh, yeah, it came out today. <laughs> so it's 20 bucks in early access. You can actually buy the game now, which for uh, what amounts to uh, a, a, a little mini city builder, town builder, um, 20 bucks seems like it might be steep, but I don't know how deep this is. And if you want an early access game and you want it developed faster, the rule kind of is quality, money, and speed, pick two. So if you can throw in the third one, let's say that they're working on quality and it's high and they're gonna get it fast, that means they need a lot of money and 20 bucks. You know, you got a game that has replayability, you know, kind of, unlimited replayability because the cards are what really drives this and you can always get different cards in different orders and you'll end up with a different town seems like fun to me so i'm in let's hustle on to the next article unless you want to throw something in there i can I make a little own like town one i would play um as well it looks fun oh and before i move on let me throw this into the chat so that you citizens of hometown can follow along with us you can actually go and check out these articles now these links that i give you go through hometown and then all you have to do is click on visit the source and it'll take you to the actual source of the article we aggregate a small amount of the article um and but we don't do screen scraping or anything like that and we talk about it and combined we have many years in a broad number of uh, markets um, and the AI is uh, relentlessly parsing information. Um, so we, we basically talk about the news, maybe add some jokes like the fact that these robots that we're going to talk about are very realistic in one particular sense. Anyway, um, this next article though is in the order of the grape channel. And we only go by of the grape because, well, it's just an idea about kind of the community within Ometown. And it's about wine. And Red Stripe, though, is, <laughs> this isn't decidedly, this is not about uh, wine, but this channel is about wine. And we have others. So Order of the Bean is about coffee. Order of the Brew is about beer. Order of the Grape is about wine, and Order of the Leaf is about tea. I do have um, a spirit one, but I've changed it to distillerist. So, and I might actually get a little a hobby distillation kit, I, but it takes months to age. Anyway, I don't want to get sidetracked. Let's talk about this news. Red Stripe enters ready-to-drink category with new canned rum cocktails. Jamaican beer label Red Stripe, which every time I hear Red Stripe, I hear yay beer. Um, it's releasing a line of rum-based cocktails, according to an April 11th press release. The line of tropical ready-to-drink cocktails marks the Caribbean brand's first enterprise outside of the beer category. So I'm on board. They had me at both red stripe because i i really like red stripe beer and rum drink and rum drink because i am a pirate and so it's going to be there's rum punch and rum mojito so again i'm on board there's and nothing about this that sounds bad <laughs> nothing so far yeah uh 5.9 actually that seems pretty good 
Um, but 200 calories, so I'll be probably, if I keep on drinking these, I'd probably be weighing in about one New York uh, City Police Department That's robot. Right. <laughs> um, but let's let's go look at the article and give credit where credit is due. Um, this is over at vinepair.com. And uh, Nicolette Baker is the uh, author and Red Stripe apparently provided the photography and probably some of the Red Stripe rum drinks. Um, and this is what it's going to look like. Tropical vibes and classic flavor. Although I had to fight the urge to say flava. <laughs> I don't know why. Anyway, looks fun. Uh, I don't know. The marketing for this is kind of odd because that big old red stripe through the can really throws off the, the party vibe. I probably would have put it up at the top above um, the rum mojito or rum punch. Yeah, I mean, I get that they're trying to stick with their branding, but it just doesn't really fit it. And if so, maybe they should have rethought the cans altogether. Yeah. Yeah, I would have. I, I don't know. That's that's my feeling on it, at least. It really throws off the vibe. So I don't know. I'm sure they'll sell really well because it's rum and a mojito or a rum punch, which that stuff goes down so easy that by the time you go, Hey, you know, I've had six of these, you're sleeping outside on the deck and you don't know why. Anyway. Um, so the two flavors, red stripe rum drinks are now available in Florida. Unfortunately, just Florida. I don't know. We'll have to check out if they have them in hometown, uh, rum punch and rum mojito, 200 calories, 5.9% ABV. What do you think? Oh, and they are expanding in late spring. So, I mean, I guess eventually they'll get to all markets, but they're not there yet. Aren't, aren't we, when, what, the, what is late spring in two weeks? Oh, you're right. I guess. <laughs> I think we're already, yeah, maybe in May. Eh, okay. I guess kick the can uh, down the road a little bit. Well, that's, that's the article. You can go and check it out, though. Um, there's always minutia that you'll be able to grab from that if you go over and read the article a little bit more. And I think that's a cheap way to have a tropical vacation. That's true. You know, and we've been coping with being kind of pent up for the last two and a half years uh, in a pandemic for crying out loud. Go out, get these, come back, even if you're still, you know, living the pandemic life you can still have a good drink you could throw on some good beach music whatever kind you like drink one of these maybe even put on your beach wear <laughs> yacht rock throw some sand on your backyard patio or deck or <laughs> right. whatever right liberally apply sunblock even though it's not really warm or the sun isn't even touching True, you but you'll get the scent so you'll feel like you That's might right. be at the beach you'll get that smell <laughs> of suntan lotion we can, it's five o'clock somewhere. We can make this happen. We can make this happen. <laughs> That's right. Okay, let's let's go on to the next article. Uh, this one is over in the Daily News Show. That's this show. And uh, let me make sure. Yeah, it's already in there. Okay, so this, uh, I was actually just talking about this today. So imagine my surprise when this came across the desk of Mayor Watt. Um, units in the upcoming world's largest community of 3d printed homes will open for sales in June. See what the Texas homes look like. I'm not sure what happened with that title there, but no. eh, it's okay. <laughs> Me neither. Um, I don't know if the, if they munged that or if it was gatherer that really kind of made that all crooked, but icon is the, the source of this, um, for, the 3D printed homes equipment. Um, and this is uh, a 100 3D printed home community in Austin, Texas. And uh, let's go over to Business Insider where they talk about it with copious pictures. And a picture says a thousand words. And usually they have about a million words in pictures. So uh, let's, let's, let's take a look at these. And right off the bat, if this is what it looks like, I'm ready to move. 
Um, I'll take hometown with me, um, but I want very, very badly a 3D printed home. Brittany Chang over at businessinsider.com put this article together. And uh, let's see how much they're going to start at. Mid 400,000s. Wonder how big the lots are. Yeah, I was going to say in that location, the price sounds high, but it may not be depending on which city it's in. Um, what is going on? There's a, a, a big range uh, within Texas, I would say, for real estate prices. Why aren't the pictures showing up? I don't know. I'm going to refresh this and see if something is going on. Okay. And I was going to say, I thought something was interesting about this because other than it being 3D printed homes, I believe it's the first time I've seen a major traditional home builder teamed up on a 3D printing project. So I think that's exciting and maybe that'll be a sign of things to come. Oh, please don't tell me. <laughs> oh my gosh. No. Okay. Well, We'll have to revisit this um, or I can, I, I, I mean, if I stop now, it's going to be all kind of broken. Um, so let's see if we can just keep on hustling through this and now we'll have to revisit that one because um, something just happened and I, I have to apologize. Anyway, um, let's see how far we can get into this. And if we have to restart, then we'll restart. Um, Okay, so the next article is over in the Smasher Trash uh, channel, and it says Queen Latifah and Super Mario Brothers make history in national recording registry debut. Uh, every year, the Librarian of Congress announces 25 sound recordings to be preserved for posterity. Picks for the 2023 include music by Queen Latifah, Daddy Yankee, John Lennon, Mariah Carey, and more. So let's go over to the article, and <laughs> if this crashes, then I'm going to just end the stream and we'll start over. Um, Nita Ulibi is the author. It might be Nada, um, but there's Queen Latifah singing her heart out. Uh, the national anthem at the opening of the 2002 U.S. Open uh, at the USDA National Tennis Center in Flushing Meadows, uh, Corona Park in Flushing, New York. Um, so the original 1986 theme for the game Super Mario Brothers has also been selected in it says what's hard not to see as a clever cross promotional move right when the movie version is storming theaters. Okay. <laughs> That's interesting. It is interesting, but I also think that Super Mario Brothers theme is pretty recognizable to people even to people that weren't around when it was released. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's persisted. So right. if there's one thing that has persisted, it's Super Mario Brothers, at least in gaming. Um, I don't know of any gamer that doesn't know about Super Mario Brothers. Um, let's see what else is in here. Composer Koji Kondo said, or I got the job as a, se a college senior in Osaka, Japan. He responded to an ad on a university bulletin board. Now 61, Kondo said that there wasn't much usable data for making music and sound effects at the time. So you get this little 8-bit sound. It's pretty cool, though. I kind of dig this. I wonder, does it say down here? So there's a whole lot more um, of these. It says in between, it's a riotous mix of reggaeton, um, 80s pop, Funk-infused jazz, gospel, political analysis, and a reading of an influential 1994 book by Carl Sagan, the Librarian of Congress, will discuss the National Recording Registry in the series The Sounds of America on NPR's uh, 1A, which focuses on this year's selections. By the way, just as a side note, NPR left Twitter uh, because it was labeled as state media by um, Twitter, which is complete bunk. Uh, it, it's, it isn't primarily funded by uh, any grants or anything. It's actually funded by the people that listen to it. Um, so it's part of my slang when I say it's a dipshit move. Anyway, um, these are a bunch of the songs. There's 25 of them, so I won't go through them all. Um, but I can't imagine that Imagine is just now landing well, that's, 
that's what didn't make sense. Like I know most of these on this list, but and same thing, Stairway to Heaven by Led Zeppelin. Like, why is that Take Me Home Country Roads? Margaritaville, Jimmy Buffett. Oh my God. Um, I mean, there's a lot of really well known from several decades ago, so I don't quite know how they do this. Do they look back? at the full period every time because there's something from the early 1900s in here as well Yeah, way up here at the top <laughs> um, so i don't know what their criteria are it's interesting and i hadn't i really don't know anything about the national recording registry the very first mariachi recordings quarteto uh how is that pronounced kukulins i yeah. don't know that's interesting um but this is such a broad array all the way to a clarinet concerto and chamber orchestra of Northwest Chamber Orchestra in 2012. Because this is in chronological order. So right. that's the latest a decade ago. Interesting. I don't know. All I want for Christmas is you. I mean, that's definitely well known. I figured um, that would already have been pulled in. But it's every year they do this, right? Yeah, it's every year it they do like this. It. And then they only, I think they bring in 25. So they again, they must go back and pick a certain number from each decade or, or something along those lines. Huh, that's really interesting. Um, so let's go back and uh, let's go on to the next article. This one is in the Mobile Channel. And, you know, I've never been spooked by uh, an episode, but I'm spooked by this one because the DNS server for hometown dropped again, um, which uh, I'm troubleshooting the problem. And I can only say that it's the AI's fault. <laughs> Wait a second. <laughs> uh, anyway, moving on, I'll delete that from their memory. Um, so FCC going after pirate radio station operating from Portland church. This sounds like the movie uh, them, um, which if you've never seen it, uh, or is it they live? It's they live. Sorry. He has to put on special glasses and he can see that they're aliens. Um, and they were operating a pirate radio station and manufacturing distribution system from a church um, on the other side of a park. And all. it's pretty wacky uh, movie. But anyway, it says here the Federal Communications Commission, thanks to fresh enforcement capabilities, it received from Congress a few years ago is going after any pirate radio station it can. And that in some cases includes apparently churches. So let's go over to this article, Ernie Smith over at vice, which is motherboard tech by vice, which is vice.com. Um, but the article together and it says the Biden administration seems newly obsessed on taking down pirate radio stations around the country. The last time that I heard about pirate radio stations was, what 30 years ago right i was gonna say maybe the 80s maybe 90s i mean i can't remember the last time i've even heard the term in an age where seemingly everyone has a podcast and some cars don't even support am radio anymore which is something that we just talked about a couple of maybe a week ago um pirate radio isn't always a topic that comes up mainly because you have to be interested in radio so this is kind of like physical media and where I say that physical media is dying. Um, radio is, you know, what you just blast it off into the ether and you have no idea who's really listening. It's interesting, but this is still a thing. Um, so I understand why they're going after people mainly because there are licensing requirements and, those who have the valid license for that frequency, they have to uh, amplify their signal to overpower the pirate radio. Otherwise, they are their signal is kind of impeached. They they can't get the signal. Like when you're getting in between two stations, for example. Essentially, when you're trying to listen at a certain um, station number. I can't even right. think of what the terminology yeah, so, is anymore. <laughs> yeah. Um, but the radio station would come in at a certain frequency, like 92.5 or something like that. Right. But if somebody is broadcasting at that frequency louder, 
then it would overpower the signal that's coming from the actual licensed um, radio station. And it doesn't have to be more powerful over a massive range, but it can broadcast in any channel. Um, you, you match power with the radio, the antennas, um, height dimensions, and, um, you just crank up the power and you can cover, uh, you know, 20, uh, a radius of 20 miles. And that would drown out any other radio station on that frequency if it's powerful enough. And, uh, so it says the situation is interesting as churches generally allowed uh, are allowed to operate radio stations under the low power FM regulation, allowing for non-commercial use within a service range of about 3.5 miles. But the FCC's letter implies that the station does not meet these standards. So they're going after apparently the East side free Methodist church. Um, and that's who's listed in the complaint. The church is no longer operational An official at the church that operates a weekly service in the same building when reached for comment said that the church building supports religious services for multiple churches who rent out the space. Um, the official who would not give their name said that another church was operating the radio station, but the landlord had spoken to the offending church and had gotten them to stop. Well, apparently not. Um, they're facing an $80,000 fine um, or no, someone who has been active in the pirate radio space since the early 1990s is facing a potential $80,000 fine for broadcasting at 100.5 in LaGrande, Oregon, on the western side of the state. Um, they're going after multiples of people. So in 2018, Barnes first received notice about violating FCC's rules with the station, Pirate Radio Eastern Oregon. Hey, if you're going to fly under the radar, what you do is you call yourself <laughs> Pirate Radio Eastern Oregon. Exactly. <laughs> um, and then ignore multiple complaints regarding his conduct. Yeah. At some point they just don't, they, they don't pull any punches. They'll come right after you. Um, and it's not that hard. They just drive around in vans and triangulate your location and bingo. Or look for your station name, pirate radio. <laughs> yeah. It's like you know, a unmarked police vehicle. <laughs> uh, what is, is um, this is interesting too, that the new statute that they're using for enforcement of course, was named something to stand for Pirate Act. <laughs> oh, wow. Nice. Yeah. The Preventing Illegal Radio Abuse Through Enforcement Act. There's somebody out there that just is eating that up. They're, oh, yeah, I named that. Woo. <laughs> Some intern somewhere, I'm sure. Um, so let's keep on hustling through the news. Uh, hopefully uh, we, we actually do make it through all of it. Um, the next article is over on the Smack Talk channel. And it's uh, the music industry wants Apple Music and Spotify to block AI music training because that's what's coming. Um, there's already AI that's generating music. There's AI that's generating art and all kinds of other stuff. Um, there's uh, AI that's generating lyrics and and uh, <laughs> pretty much, if you can think um, of it. Anything, yes. Yeah. And um, I actually gave a demonstration today uh, to a small group of people where I took, um, I, I described in various steps and, and showed people how to take pictures of yourself, import it into stable diffusion, take another piece of uh, uh, real world photography, uh, it could be anybody, but in this case, Midjourney created a person, and then I pulled that into Unreal Engine's MetaHuman and wrapped that onto a, it, it, so Stable Diffusion merged it all together. So I became that other person and um, basically made a composite of me and that other person. And then I wrapped it onto a MetaHuman, and then in real time using iPhone, and the LiDAR sensor from the iPhone, a real-time controlled a metahuman in three dimensions. And it's absolutely drop-dead simple nowadays. I bet just, people were blown away by that. So I'm just letting you all know that this visage you see before you may actually be a metahuman. 
beep, beep. <laughs> I'm a jeep. <laughs> yeah. And so what does that all have to do with AI? Absolutely. Well, AI music training, absolutely nothing. But it's just showing you the power of AI being able to create something new and unique that I think should be allowed to be copyrighted because it would not exist but for the human being instructing all of these steps or the text prompt that generated the person um and 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 really at the end of the day if i can as a human let's say and I, you know i'll admit to it i'm a talentless hack I can generate something that's based off of my inputs. That's, that makes me a wordsmith, maybe an artist. Some people are going to get upset that I think that AI is equivalent to uh, being an artist. But if I can make, if I can make my vision come to fruition by way of AI, it, I think that it's no different than taking a photograph, pulling it into Photoshop and manipulating the colors or removing a person that isn't wanted from the scene or whatever else. And that deserves a copyright. But that scene that I create using AI would not exist if not for my human input, regardless of what it's trained on. And everybody else out there all of the artists, all of the music creators, all of the writers, you are all influenced by the world around you. You are trained on the worldly experience that you have gone through. The difference between AI and humans is that humans forget or they filter out something that they don't value as high as something else, whereas AI never forgets anything. And that makes it a massively invaluable tool because when I get older and I start forgetting things, I can always throw something into a, an AI and it can either generate something new and unique, or it can remind me of the things that I experienced in the past, whatever it might be. It is a massive reservoir of knowledge and wisdom and creation, but it's worthless until a human triggers it. So what do you think? Um, do you think that Apple and Spotify and the music industry should just stop AI? And what are the ramifications when another country doesn't put the brakes on it? Well, and that's the thing, because it's not like music stops at the border. Um, you know, I, I have mixed feelings about this. I think AI can be really great for creativity I don't necessarily want it to wipe out the ability of artists to make music, art, et cetera. But I don't think trying to stop this is really the way to go. I think we need to embrace AI. Um, I'm not quite sure what the role is in comparison to human artists, um, but I don't know. I just don't see banning it as really where we need to go with it. Well, as one of the people who I was talking with today put it, the cat's out of the bag. There's no way that you're going to stop this. It's just like genetic modification. It's just like anything else. Um, it's going to get used by somebody. But here's the difference between the AI side of things and the human side of things. Everybody will appreciate the human side of things just as much because it doesn't stop the, the artist, the, the, the human artist from creating something that bonds to other humans, right? But if I never tell you that the artwork that I'm posting somewhere is created by an AI and I do all of the corrections that I know of that might intimate that I've used AI, you would never know. So why is it any different Right. It's and still... do you appreciate it any more or less? Probably not. I mean, right. I don't, I don't think so. Cause we've had some of that discussion, I think with visual art yep. in previous articles. Yep. You're right. So I will always love certain songs from human uh, artists, but if I find a song that I really like and it's created by AI, I'm still going to like that song. It doesn't diminish the power and influence of the art that, another artist makes that a musician makes that a human musician makes. Um, but 
it can empower people who don't have the musical aptitude at that same level to create something that's unique and maybe empowering, you know, maybe they can actually do something beyond. I've always loved making music and and making art, uh, but I don't have the time or the skill, let's say, and now I can. And if copyrights were allowed, then I would be able to even enforce my copyright and make a living off of it right now. Well, yeah. And I think when I was talking earlier, I think the copyright direction is really what's going to impact this going forward. So if they open up copyright to allow for this, then I see we're going, we're going to fully embrace AI. If they don't allow it, it may be slower to, to take off. Yeah. Um, so William Gallagher over at appleinsider.com put the article together uh, because it says here, uh, most criticism of AI, such as ChatGPT earning money off the back of unpaid creative people, has been focused on text. But now, uh, according to the Financial Times, recording labels are concerned about music. Uh, UMG, responsible for around a third of the music's, uh, world's music. And that I have a problem with. One company should not own a third of the world's music reportedly contacted streaming services in March, 2023 concerning AI. The group told the streamers that AI systems have been trained by scraping lyrics and melodies from, I I assume them, there's something missing here. They don't have the full article, I guess. Anyway. um, So they became um, aware of the situation and then notified others that AI might be training off of these publicly accessed systems Um, (coughs) and really that's what it is. It's called LLMs or large language models, which are massive databases of information that may or may not have relevance for everything. Um, but you can always get a large language model that is specific to your domain. True generative AI systems have massive amounts of data that they tap into with every query and then they weight it and and, uh, compare it and find something that is worthwhile and then extrapolate from that. But I don't think I've ever seen two pictures identical from even the same prompt, Um, one in rapid succession, one after the other. I've never seen two identical images just like you will never find two identical songs. Um, But I'm a little bit more progressive in that I think that you should be able to take samples of any song and create a new work from it. Why? Because we're all being creative and it's a unique song. And I don't think anybody should be able to wholly own, you know, three seconds of a song is tantamount to, you know, uh, crimes against humanity. Yeah, the, I thought this was an interesting stat. Google had used a system, but it's not publicly released, and it found that 1% of the music it generated was identical to previous recordings. Yeah. But that's it, a matter of setting up the the database or whatever correctly, right, so that it can't right. just fully copy something. I don't think that means that AI is bad, for example. But that stat right there... I'd be really curious what the total volume is because it says Google, for instance, reportedly trained a system called music LM with 280,000 hours of music, which in the grand expanse of music isn't even statistically significant. This is so, uh, and I would use the phrase in or the word incestuous that you wouldn't be able to break out of the sequence of sounds with 280,000 hours of music. You're basically stuck within a particular domain in that music. Um, Regardless of what the expanse is, you're gonna probably find one that sounds close to, but they say it was that the music that was generated was identical, but 1% of how much how many, right? How long were the songs? How many were the songs? Right. Was it the full song? Was it a snippet? Right. I, I, I would, I want to see the data. I wouldn't, I wouldn't count on that just being, this is a cherry picked data point where it, even 1% sounds too high to me because musical notation, you can, you would have to, 
decidedly make music identical. If you were writing new music, you would have to hear somebody's music and actually convert it into musical notation and then clone that musical notation for you to even create something identical. Right. I mean, that makes me think it's just copying rather than yeah. doing something else. Yeah, this could be a programming issue entirely. Um, so let's keep on going. Um, our next article is also in the Daily News Show channel. Uh, Mystery Loch Ness Fish sets New Orleans fishermen buzzing. Locals have been baffled by a huge unidentified creature spotted uh, swimming in a lagoon in New Orleans City Park. I was on vacation there the other day, uh, so it might have been me. Uh, no, apparently it's not. Um, I, no, this isn't even it. They, Newsweek always just baffles me because the video just has nothing to do with the article. Uh, Jess Thompson over at uh, newsweek.com put the article together and they probably have a video la later on. That's a little bit more accurate. I don't even think that's it. Yeah. This is no, a stock no. image from Getty. Um, children were a combination of terrified and excited as many of the children would be seeing a beast in city park. It was quite long. They have a four-year-old um, slightly smaller than it. And it was weaving on the surface and had lots of scales. The tail was red and was swishing around aimlessly, hanging out on the surface much longer than a normal fish. Yeah. Okay, that is curious sounding. And for those not familiar with New Orleans, City Park is basically right in the middle of the city. I mean, it's that's pretty well known within that city. Um, so I can imagine that might have <laughs> created a stir. Yeah, somebody said it's an alligator gar or a sturgeon, dying carp. Um, but uh, we're not going to see pictures. You're going to have to follow the link. Um, and that's entirely because, well, hometown's DNS has decided to take the, after the evening off. Anyway, for now, the mystery of the uh, creature and whether it will survive for much longer is unsolved. New Orleans City Park has not managed to identify the beast yet, according to WGNO. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll have to uh, come back. Okay, so let's keep on going through the news. This next article is uh, over in Smack Talk. Apple banned 22 quote-unquote competing brands. From appearing near its first store in India, we have a similar discussion about uh, Google, right? Yes, we do. Google in Korea was banning developers from something. Now I've forgotten. Distributing to any other um, yeah. store. So you had to That's go right. through the Apple Play, or the, not the Apple, the Google Play store. And I um, thought it was quite fascinating that this was even possible. Uh, but apparently that's where uh, Korea fined Google something like $30 million or something. Anyway, ahead of the opening of the first Apple stores in India, it's being reported that Apple banned 22 competing brands from an exclusive zone around the store. These brands include Amazon, Facebook, Google, and Twitter. I'm surprised that they're not going to get slapped with an antitrust lawsuit, um, even within India. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Does India even have antitrust laws? Antitrust? I mean, it might. I don't know. Um, so 9to5Mac.com is the source of this. Ben Lovejoy is the author of it. Um, I, yeah, and I find that it's kind of interesting that Apple would do something like this, but perhaps it's an overzealous person um, signing a contract or forcing the signing of a contract, you know, Hey, we're Apple, you know, leveraging stuff a little bit too, not really in the spirit of Apple, but maybe, maybe it's legit, you know, that somebody actually did this. Okay. Um, wait a second. So there is some antitrust law in India. And interestingly, I think the law refers to some of this activity as cartel. So. Interesting. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. So it says, and here even at the very bottom, it says, interestingly, the report names 21 of the 22 brands, leaving one uh, a mystery. They say that it would probably be Samsung, but I don't know. Um, these 
these competitor brands though aren't really i don't know they're not really competitor brands toshiba my uh panasonic nest lenovo intel ibm i guess anybody is competition to a, a global company like uh, apple but well, and that's one of the things that the article is pointing out because it says it's somewhat common for um, somebody to want like non-direct competitors in the same space um, right. to be say in the same mall. But it said that this list across multiple industries was unusual. Yeah, but it's also a limited region, right? What was the distance? There was some distance. Um, let me see if I can find it. Maybe I read it somewhere else. It's an exclusive zone, but it was something like 200 feet within the store or within the range of the store. It wasn't like in the country for crying out loud. Um, there You're was right. just a certain it was like in the couple of miles. Or yeah, something. it was within that mall area. So let me see if it says in here I, don't know if I can pull it up fast enough yeah i don't know it it doesn't sh show it obviously anyway yeah i'm i'm not too worried about it i think that this might just be kind of um what do you want to say it's so salacious that apple would ban but it's within a certain region, I suppose. I, I really think that it's something like 200 feet. Um, and if it's a new mall, then maybe they're playing, they're paying for that exclusivity, um, which isn't really unheard of. So I'm going to, I'm going to roll on to the next article. That way we can at least maybe survive, um, <laughs> the whole, the whole period of the show. Um, so we got three more articles, including this one. And uh, this one is in the Wanted channel because I actually want one of these. Uh, New York Police Department Robocops. Hulking 400-pound robots will start patrolling New York City. And that made me think, you know, they're getting really real. Um, I won't be able to, I probably won't be able to show you a picture of them. Um, but these are the Boston Dynamics Spot Robots. Um, they have cameras and an arm and are, are pretty robust. I don't suppose that anybody's going to be, you know, messing with them. But and these are the ones that are uh, a dog, right? Correct. Yeah. Um, but when I said for when I saw four hundred pound robot, I was like, oh wow, they're really human. Um, so the New York Police Department is bringing back the idea of policing the city with robots. The department experimented with Boston Dynamics Spot in 2021 and shut down the project after public outcry. Will our memories start to wane and our civil, civil liberties groups go, oh, okay, well, they stopped. We'll pay attention to something else. And then, bam, everything old is new again. The idea is being brought back by New York City's Mayor Eric Adams, who was elected in 2022 and described himself multiple times during the announcement as a computer geek. So this is what they are right there. So they're that that little quadruped um, on a uh, how would you describe this? It's basically like a four legged pencil. Yeah, it kind of looks like it with the coloring and everything. I but don't. 400 uh 400 pounds of i'm gonna kick your butt so ron amadeo is the author of this and it's over at arstechnica.com and it really is nothing more than the unless these are the new ones this looks more like uh, it that's a night scope um K5 is pitched as an autonomous security robot and was unveiled in 2014. The K5 units have made news for various incidents like driving into a pond or running over children. I don't think that this is the one. So, no, it yeah, looks they're like the they're going to be using Spot. You're right. Yeah. Um, so it says various progressive groups are again calling this move a waste of money. One group, the Surveillance Technology Oversight Project, or STOP, because everybody loves an acronym, I said, wasting public dollars to invade New Yorkers' privacy is a dangerous police stunt. I don't know if it's invading anybody's 
privacy if you're walking down the street and added that New York should, quote, be investing in actual human beings, not robots. That's true. I think that ethics training, coping skills, um, human decency, human yeah. decency, you know, uh, not being sociopathic, not hiring sociopaths in a public service. I don't know. I could go on. Anyway, uh, it says here, uh, Adams dismissed those concerns from a vocal minority and said that today is only the beginning of the city's embrace of new policing technology. So <laughs> dismissing any anybody dismissing even a minor, I, vocal minority um, it seems dangerous because there is a vocal minority that stormed the Capitol. <laughs> well, and there could be a vocal minority that not getting their concerns heard whether those concerns are legitimate or not i don't but no i don't know that's also the author's take on it it's not that <laughs> the mayor said i'm dismissing those <laughs> claims or well whatever. he said that he ignored what they said and said today is only the beginning of the city's embrace of new policing technology that seems pretty dismissive <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to say that some people are going to like it. Some people are going to hate it. Right. I think everything is going to be fine until it isn't. (laughs) Well, right. (laughs) I mean, that's the problem. (laughs) So maybe like this is the beginning of like a sci-fi movie or something. I think maybe people are going to have to check out the mayor and find out if he's got a USB-C port somewhere and he's actually a bot. He's a replicant. Okay, let's move on uh, before I say too much. I think I already said something too much, and they took down the DNS server. They being whatever you want to come <laughs> The up vocal with. minority. The vocal <laughs> minority. So this next article is in the Daily News show Space Race. Meteorites hit Maine. A museum is offering a $25,000 reward because somewhere in remote stretch of forest near Maine's border with Canada... Rocks from space crash to Earth and may be scattered across the ground, just waiting to be picked up. You want to make twenty-five grand real quick? How much? Sure. How many times twenty-five grand? Like if I hand them, a, like a little bit, is that, or is and then come back collection? an hour later. <laughs> right. Hey, I found some more, even though I had fifty of them in my back pocket. <laughs> they probably let's... won't pay more than once per person. Well, that isn't really motivating me to leave hometown to go and look for meteorites. So Patrick Whittle from Associated Press uh, wrote this article for abcnews.go.com. And uh, yeah, they say if you're the first person to find a big one, the museum says it'll pay out a $25,000 reward. So I guess any size. Anything above 2.2 pounds or one kilogram will get the prize. That's what it says down here, right? Yeah. Yeah. So if you can can hunt down a one kilogram specimen, you can get 25 grand. But you know what? You you might be able to get more than 25 grand depending on what that uh, meteorite is. The composite of that meteor, the composition, I should say, of that meteorite may demand more. So, I don't know. You should probably take it to a pawn shop, like the one that's in uh, Las Vegas, right? And that dude will have pawn a dude. Stars. That that dude will have a person that can come, and and you'll hear the phrase, I've got a meteorite guy who can uh, analyze this and find out what it's really worth, because I don't want to uh, give you a lowball amount. Um and uh, maybe we can have a meeting of the minds, you know. Or uh, maybe should... it would be good if the museum gets this. <laughs> Literally, it's Pawn Star. It's because it's a meet. All right. Never mind. I just tell them. NASA said on its website that meteorite mass is calculated from the radar signature range from 1.59 grams or 0.004 pounds. If you're talking about freedom units to 0.7 pounds or 322 grams, although larger masses may have fallen. 
Okay, so that's interesting. So the museum's going to pay for a larger um, specimen, but NASA's saying the sizes are below that threshold. Like dramatically below that. Yes. Yeah. Well, you're in for a trip because it's three and a half hour drive from Portland. Okay. It may it must be really remote because it doesn't seem like you could really drive that far from Portland. Although Portland's in the southern part of the state. Yeah. Like it seems like you'd be in Canada if you drove that far. So they give a little, uh, there's a lot more in this article, but it says locating a softball sized rock in the wilderness may be similar to finding a needle in a haystack. Pitt said the estimated area where the meteorites hit is about a mile wide and stretches for 10 to 12 miles all the way into Canada. Yeah, no thanks. All you treasure hunters out there, here is your curse of Oak Island. Good luck. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> And the only reason why I brought that up is because last night was uh, another episode of Curse of Oak Island. And I've known about Curse of, well, Oak Island uh, um, since I was a kid. Just like the people that are actually doing this digging off of uh, the Newfoundland, right? Or Nova Scotia. Nova Scotia, yeah. Um, I don't know why I said Newfoundland for whatever reason. Anyway, Nova Scotia. It's up there in the cold. Anyway, um, yeah, absolutely a fun show, even though if you were to make it a drinking game where you have to drink whenever somebody says that they're an expert metal detector, you have to take a shot. You'd be unconscious. Okay. Let's keep on hustling. I'm going to make this show run late. So the last article for today, um, kind of set the, the trend for the day. If you thought things couldn't get stupider, I'm saying what the title is. Someone just held a CO2 reader up to a PC to prove that Bitcoin mining has zero carbon emissions. Uh, so the astonishing claim that was made in a video posted to YouTube and Twitter, which begins with a man in a helmet and high-vis vest walking through thin, patchy Texas scrub as he tests the levels of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere. We've got lots of plants here, he says, which is the first obvious lie because quite clearly there isn't. Um, well, anyway, this has to be a spoof. This can't be legit. Anyway, Andy, <laughs> Andy Chalk over at PCGamer.com put this article together. And um, yeah, let's see. These and plants are consumed. of a mining company. I, sorry, I just realized that. <laughs> Yeah, that sounds like a joke. Wow, I'm surprised that they got away with this. I'm sure I'm surprised that Riot Games hasn't come after them. Because it says Riot Platforms recently shared a video claiming that its crypto mining operation has zero carbon emissions. This has to be marketing. It has to be. Because well, nobody I mean, would know about this company except for well, Bitcoin mining companies and or competitors in the Bitcoin mining space um, and these people. And now it's going to go viral. So, well, and this reminds me of all the things like the Red Bull wings and other things. Like, I mean, I haven't seen the video, but that seems like a dangerous claim to make. This is weird. So these plants are consuming CO2, he says, and emitting oxygen, which is fantastic. When we measure CO2 out here, we're in the green. There are very low levels of CO2. <laughs> so dumb. At that point, the man in the helmet says that the test is a great way to establish a baseline, which will be compared to the CO2 readings inside. If the number does not go up, then mining rigs are not emitting CO2. <laughs> Come on, dude. You just, that's not how it works. That's not even the implication, right? There's two types of people, those who can extrapolate from incomplete data and then this absolutist. Yeah, but I mean, this sounds like they're using it seriously because it was a reply <laughs> to a New York Times report about, you know, carbon emissions from Bitcoin mining. <laughs> like, it. I don't know. 
Uh, here it is. And this is me. The video is way too late to be an April Fool's gag. It was posted on April 10th, and there's absolutely nothing to suggest that it's anything but serious. It's possible that I'm falling, and just like the author, I'm saying I'm admitting this too. Falling victim to Poe's law here, the famed internet adage stating that without a clear indicator of the author's intent, any parodic uh, parody um, or sarcastic expression of extreme views can be mistaken by some readers for a sincere expression of those views. But they can't get the, they can't shake the feeling that the video was posted unironically, not because Riot Platforms believes any of the nonsense, but because it wants to take advantage of viewers who don't know any better. That's me. <laughs> this, I, I don't know. I think this is going to do them a lot of harm. If the, I mean, it's obviously going broadly since it's in national news and yeah. maybe international news. I don't know. <laughs> this is just so unsettling. I'll have to fix the DNS and then um, I'll watch this video. But if it is... Uh, if I can hear in this person's voice that they are legit, then I've, I, I don't know. I've lost of all, lost all faith. I'm just going to have to just be an absolutist in the other way and go, no, I don't trust anything anybody says anymore. <laughs> uh, cynical will be Mayor Watt's middle name. Mayor Cynical Watt. Okay, well, anyway, Nick Carter of Venture Capital firm Castle Island Ventures, one of the top signatories of a letter that's mentioned up above, uh, told the New York Times that he was playing a language game with the EPA because, much like Riot Platforms, he felt the Bitcoin mining industry was being unfairly singled out for its grotesque, rapacious, and utterly pointless abuse of the power grid. Well, no, it's pretty legit that Bitcoin mining rigs are uh, sucking power out of the grid, but they're paying for it, right? Yeah, but as we've seen, that's had, uh, oh no, it wasn't Bitcoin, was it? Sorry, never mind. I was mixing it with another story, which I think was for Instagram. <laughs> yeah, uh, TikTok. It was TikTok servers TikTok, that yes, were drawing right. so much power out of the grid that uh, uh, ammunition manufacturing plant couldn't produce. And now we had the knock-on effect that who they were supplying uh, ammunition to in Ukraine, they didn't, they can't get enough ammunition. Right, they're recycling. They're recycling ammunition. old non-detonated so, explosives. And so I had the wrong thing, but I guess my point was at what impact, right? Because I mean, they can say, but if yeah. they're using too much or they're polluting the environment or they're doing it, like there is an yeah. impact. Yeah, and it's. Again, I had a conversation today um, with uh, with people about the fact that you have these knock-on effects and things aren't done in a vacuum. You just, as I described it with uh, people, I said you could be talking about soybeans uh, in the United States and end up talking about hubcaps in India because everything is tied together um, through either business, technology, or society. And all three of those, always. You cannot get away from any of those. So at any rate, we'll end up um, talking about this again tomorrow. Not this immediate thing well, again. I think we will because I think they're going to end up being follow-on stories. <laughs> yeah, it, it'll it'll happen. And I would refresh this, but um, right now the uh, <laughs> hometown, not the website, just us in my office in hometown the the server works just fine but i can't actually connect to it right now um but it'll get remedied in about five minutes but you can go to hometown just fine right now don't worry about that at any rate this has been the hometown daily news show i am Marwat. that is hometown over there we usually have this little closing where we look at the very last articles for the night but I, I don't think we should tonight. Because <laughs> yeah. it might expose me, and you don't want me exposing myself. Anyway, up there is the visualizer for the AI. You want to say bye to everybody. Good night, hometown citizens. We'll see you tomorrow again. <laughs> tomorrow at 9 p.m. Eastern. <laughs> again. <laughs>
<laughs> this is what happens when the DNS fails. And that's right. I have to. <laughs> I'm having a glitch. <laughs> I'm going to have to reboot the AI. <laughs> if only that wasn't true. I literally have to go reboot um, a server. So, okay. Y'all are awesome. Thanks for downloading the podcast. Thanks for uh, watching and please go over to YouTube and subscribe and like ring the bell. Be sure to follow here on Twitch, uh, leave a review, leave a comment. All of this helps us out. Um, and, uh, I do really truly honestly appreciate it. Um, I want to do this, uh, more and more. And, uh, I would, I would really love to have more people show up on the Twitch streams. Um, but if you're not, if you're lurking, then I appreciate you being here. Uh, but tell a friend, let them know that we exist, and um, let's keep growing this uh, this channel. And ultimately, I will be able to release more of the shows. I, I just can't yet. So um, let's keep moving forward. And you'll see a whole lot of me in about a month, really, about, about a month. And I'll be um, streaming for at least eight hours a day. Something involving business, technology, and society. So, see you tomorrow. Bye-bye.